It is the Big Wake Up Call. I'm Ryan Gatenby, and it is that time once again on a Friday. We head on over to the World News Center and find out what is happening with Bill McCormick. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Ryan. How are you this bright and beautiful day with squirrels chirping and dogs dancing? Whatever's going on outside, everybody seems happy. Oh, I think what's important here today. That's nice. I think there's a box full of kittens in our transmitter shack, so I've been hearing the the faint sound of kittens throughout the morning. (laughs) Yeah, our our next-door neighbor bought a cat that can, uh, as it turns out, emulate perfectly the sound of a crying infant. Oh, man. A, so it does that at like two, three in the morning to make sure we're all paying attention. Too bad, uh, too bad. Letterman's off the air, and you can't do a stupid pet trick. Yeah, yeah. I'd love, you know, I'd love to get a trip to New York out of this, but uh, oh well. Instead, I just keep, you know, because as, as a human, as, a, as someone who cares about his fellow human beings, hearing a child in danger or a child in pain, you wake up. You, you know, you. Yeah. Even though I don't have any kids of my own, I'm still sensitive to that. I'm, I'm not wait a, completely. Wait a minute. Hold on. Can you hear that? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where that's coming from, but anyway. <laughs> okay, let's uh, hop right into things here. First of all, good morning, everyone. I hope you're having a wonderful, safe day. Uh, you know, if you're driving, keep your hands on the wheel. Um, Ten and two, well, unless you have airbags, right? And then it's, uh, what, three and six or four and ten? I don't know. Just be careful. Yeah, let's not let's not find out today. Let's just uh, keep <laughs> yeah. our hands on the wheels and... Now it's not the day to experiment with driving grips. No, no, today is not the day. So um, this week, uh, the world's greatest fiancé and I were uh, debating on whether to watch Moon Knight at home or go to the theaters and see, uh, um, uh, I forgot the the name already, Um, The Vampire with Jared Leto. Yeah. And Morpheus. Morpheus. Morbius. So we were going to go see that, and I was kind of like, well... You know, it's a new character, and, you know, knowing Marvel, it's going to be kind of like Venom. There's going to be a lot of, you know, throwing things to the side and having some fun with it. And I was like, and that's cool, but I kind of want to check out Moon Knight because that's a standalone character and nothing's going on there. And she agreed, so that's what we did. We stayed home and watched Moon Knight. But one thing I will say is that of all the things that I expected to hear about uh, Morpheus, the thing that caught my attention the most was boring. Really? Everyone said the film is boring, and I'm like... Well, now that's interesting because obviously it's an origin story and it's not a boring character. So what did they do to screw it up? They said, uh, as one reviewer who I know, and and I don't want to quote them directly here because I don't have permission to do so, but uh, uh, it was one reviewer I know said, you could tell what was going to happen in the next frame, every frame throughout the movie. Everything was set up so obviously so painfully obviously that you just couldn't miss it they're like the vampire effects are great jared leto seems to be suffering from ennui um we all know how painful that can be yeah it can be uh but basically it's just a lot of people she said a lot of people looking very stoic trying to pretend that what they're doing is important and she said she goes completely just misses the whole point of a vampire running around in a city with venom on the loose you know it's like you could have some really wacky, weird fun there, and they don't. So you they decided to go out, go with Moon Knight? Yeah, so we decided to go with Moon Knight. How is that? And, uh, first of all, it's amazing. It's really good. It's a little slower than most people might be used to for a, uh, a superhero film, but it's setting up this whole thing with Moon Knight. 
And there's a couple of things. Uh, a friend of mine who works at Marvel, he's a new friend. Um, he actually hooked up with me a couple of weeks ago on Facebook. He's like, hey, I saw your book. I really liked it. And I'm like, you? Really? <laughs> you worked on, like, MCU stuff. Like, nice. Like, reading my stuff. But whatever. Cool, dude. You know, we get along. But uh, one of the things he said, and I think this is true, is that if you're not a fan of Moon Knight, if you have not read the comics, you are going to love this show because it really sets things up well. If you are a fan of the comics, it's going to take a while for you to unpack some baggage and leave it to the side because they change a lot of stuff. Uh, for example, in the comics, the character Stephen Grant is a high-profile, multi-billionaire, think of a Tony Stark, a Bruce Wayne kind of guy mm -hmm. uh, who has access to all these Egyptian mystical things that allow him to be the Moon Knight, um, and so on and so forth. In the television show, Stephen Grant works at a gift shop at a museum. What? And he aspires to someday hopefully get promoted to tour guide. No, that's interesting because I just saw, you know, some fan article or whatever, and it had like the, the richest superheroes based on identity, and it went Iron Man, Moon Knight, Bruce Wayne. Yeah, um, in the cartoons, that's pretty much it. Those guys are like, uh, you know, they, they own like a third, they own Latvia, you know, they own Lithuania, they own countries. Right. Um, in the TV show, they don't. Uh, Stephen Grant, and it's interesting to me, the way they're doing it is Mark Spector, his other personality. And for those of you who don't understand, he, um, he has a dissociative identity disorder, which means he's got multiple personalities living in his head at the same time. And they're not just parts of personalities. They're fully-fledged human beings who go out and live complex lives and do things. And it, depending on which one's in control, depends on what's happening. And they... Marvel has a history of screwing things up when it comes to people with any sort of disability. So let's just say the bar was, I wasn't sure where the bar was on this one. I did not have high hopes in getting this right. They got this perfect. They nailed this. Um, as my friend said, he goes, it's because Marvel probably had nothing to do with the creation of it. They just handed it over to somebody and went, okay, allegedly you know what you're doing. We're just going to step back. Maybe. Now, you can't say they did a bad job handling disabilities when you have Professor X. Yeah, but even that, um, there are some real plot holes in that that they tried to deal with in some of the Sony X-Men reboots that he could walk unless he used his powers and mm. different things like that. Because um, there's really no reason for him to be paralyzed. They have to invent a reason for him to be paralyzed. Um, it, it gets weird, and you know, and it's like they're just kind of throwing stuff at the wall. And Professor X is actually a great example. It's like, this guy doesn't need to be, you know, if this guy can move anything with his mind, why doesn't he just lift himself up and float across the roof? Right, and why you hasn't know? Magneto just lifted up that wheelchair and, like, slammed him into the wall? No, he does in a, in a couple of the movies. But oh, okay. Still, yeah. I'm str I'm st I go strictly so. by the comic book. That's right. They're still pals. You know, it's just, it's a good, it's a good-natured rivalry when they're smacking each other around. There you go. There you go. So... So in the TV show, Stephen Grant, like I said, is a gift shop. Uh, he has these memory things. And they've decided to focus the entire show on Stephen Grant, the, the weakest of the characters. And I think that was a smart move because it shows, like, he, he wakes up in the morning, he's got his ankles cupped to a, to a bed because he's having problems with sleepwalking. You're, <coughs> you're walking into this story right in the middle. He's already developed, he already knows he has problems sleepwalking. He knows he has problems he thinks there's logical explanations for everything. He is wrong, at multiple levels wrong. Uh, at one point, when, when his uh, alternate personality, Mark Spector, takes over, 
Mark hits on the hottest girl at the library and gets a date with her. But Stephen is supposed to go do that date. Oh, no. And, and wackiness yeah. ensues? Well, yeah, basically uh, Stephen gets taken over by Mark so they can stop this horrible terrorist plot. So Stephen wakes up two days later in Sweden, misses the date completely, wakes back up in London, and he goes to the restaurant, and he's sitting at the restaurant waiting for the girl, and he calls her and says, hey, why aren't you here? She goes, well, I was there Friday. I wow. ate steak on Friday. You know, today is Sunday. And he's like, oh, no, no, it's not today. Friday comes after Thursday. And she goes, yes, it does that every week. Today is still Sunday. And that's when he starts realizing he's having these huge gaps Man. in time. Uh, he's a hardcore vegan, and there's a really fascinating scene. He's gone to this restaurant. He's gone to meet this girl. It's a steak restaurant, best steak in London kind of place. And Mark Spector, his other personality, eats all the meat on the planet. He's, you know, he's a mercenary. He's a meat eater. He's, he is who he is. And poor Stephen is sitting there at, you know, the best steakhouse in London, and he orders a steak just to justify his existence and actually eats a steak, even though he's a hardcore vegan and has, you know, he's just appalled by the whole idea. Is he a hardcore vegan uh, in the comics, or is that something they added? No, no. Uh, Stephen Grant is, is kind of a healthy vegetarian, you know, more of a lacto-vegetarian in the comics. Okay. But he still eats healthy and, you know, takes care of himself and all this and everything. Making him a hardcore vegan was something different. And, but, of course, he's no longer a multi-billionaire. He's working at a gift shop. Um, Mark Spector, his mercenary personality, we don't really get to see much of Mark until really later in the episode. And that's cool because the way it happens is that as Stephen comes to, he comes to in these villages in the middle of nowhere, and he's being hunted by mercenaries from you know rival terrorist groups. And he ends up running into a uh, cult leader who uh, who's uh, worshiping an Egyptian goddess who's trying to you know he's trying to bring her back to life so she can rectify the world. And as he says, had she been alive, she could have seen the evil in the souls of Hitler and Paul Pot and everything, and just simply killed them then. Hmm. You know, killed them at the at the time. Why? It's because we got rid of her. We were forced to be subjected to all these horrors on Earth. Um, it's, it's an interesting argument, one that really is not going to hold water as time goes on, but we'll leave that alone. But one of the interesting things, and what makes this um, work as a story, is they play, pay attention to the little things. And one of the little things, and I love this, is what they are calling the goldfish problem. What's the goldfish problem? Stephen owns a goldfish named Gus because that's all goldfish should be named Gus. Of course. And Gus is missing a fin. And every morning, Stephen feeds the goldfish, and he's like, you know, I'm sorry you're missing a fin, but here's your food. You know, we love you, and blah, blah, blah. You're a good goldfish. Thanks for eating our food, Gus. And then one morning, he wakes up, and Gus is swimming around the pool, swimming around the tank. But now Gus has two fins. What happened? I'm riveted yeah. here by the by the goldfish story. We have a, a multi-million-dollar Marvel thing, and it's all based around a goldfish. Yeah, basically. So he takes the goldfish back to the pet store, and he's like, "As you can see, this goldfish has two fins now. I mean, he just had one the other day." And the lady behind the counter goes, "Well, we normally don't sell defective goldfish, but as I told you yesterday when you came in, and of course he didn't come in yesterday. He was." not aware that there was a yesterday, mm-hmm. and he looks at the clock again, and sure enough, the time is different, and the day is wrong. Everything's wrong. He's missed another day and a half, and now he has a new goldfish, and he doesn't know where it came from. Mm. And this is the part that sets him on to discover how he has an alternate personality and what's going on. Um, 
I don't want to give away the, the, the show, um, but one of my great one of the great scenes in there is him talking to a statue, saying, "Well, I'd like to have a girlfriend, but having uh, leather restraints on my bed to hold my ankle in place is probably going to be a bit of a red flag on a first date, don't you think?" So is it is it funny? Does it have elements of humor like most Marvel? There, yeah. <clears throat> yes, yes, there. There's no wacka wacka humor like you get with Marvel yeah. normally. Um, there's this, uh, as my friend from Marvel called it, there's kind of a New Hampshire humor vibe. It's a very dry vibe. Um, there's a very British vibe to it. Uh, one thing you'll notice right away is uh, the, the character of uh, Stephen Grant has the worst British accent on the planet. Um, but a lot of that has to do with the fact that while he thinks he's in London, while he thinks he's British, while he has memories of being Stephen Grant all his life, he's not. He's not really British. He's, you know, an American assassin who's got this alternate personality. And, but because they're taking it from Stephen's point of view as opposed from Mark Knight's, Mark's point of view, um, it, it makes it interesting. It makes it, it's, a, it's a much deeper story. It's a much better told story than I expected. And the world's greatest fiancé, she she knew nothing about Moon Knight, and like my friend said, she benefited more from it than I did, as much as I enjoyed it. Um, so if the less you know about Moon Knight, the more you will enjoy this series? Yeah, because in the, the series, I, I'll give you an example. In the, in, in the comic book, the villain, how do I put this? Uh, in the comic book, the villain is a Nazi scientist who suffers from all sorts of pain, has billions of dollars at his disposal and tortures people to understand the essence of pain and does all these horrible things to humans as part of uh, these underground Nazi things and then later underground right-wing things and underground. But basically this guy is not a nice guy. He, uh, he kills people and causes people pain all the time. But um, in the TV show, this guy's a cult leader. He's pretty low-key. He's worshiping an Egyptian goddess. And one of the things is the Egyptian goddess Amit. And one of the things is, is that he's got, these, he's got a tattoo of scales on his arm. And when he's talking to you, when, he, um, when he's holding your hand, he can see whether or not you're going to be a good person or a bad person. And if the scales say you're going to be a bad person, they suck your soul out right there and you die on the spot. Well, doesn't Moon Knight, ha- he has that power, right? Moon Knight has power. He can, uh, can, he, Knight, can he drain Moon your, your life a, from you? No, like, Moon Knight has different powers. Uh, Moon Knight is a... Uh, uh, he's the uh, humanization, the embodiment of Khonshu. Um, and he's a powerful Egyptian god, but he doesn't have a lot of superpowers uh, other than he's extremely strong, extremely fast, you know. Um, he's... Uh, it's an interesting... It's an interesting character, Um uh, He's really, really, really violent. <laughs> when we finally get to see Moon Knight in action, um, he keeps punching until there's no blood left to spurt from the corpse. Okay, well, there's your pull quote for the for the series. <laughs> it uh, it's it's an interesting take on the series. It's, it's a wonderful take on the series, and uh, if you get a chance, I, I'm going to say this is one of those things I wasn't sure, you know, especially given Marvel's history with stuff. Uh, I wasn't sure how they were going to play this, but um, by playing it with the Steven character, who's the less interesting character, to be sure, 
less interesting from a comic book standpoint. He's not the mercenary. He's not the macho man. He's not the guy with all the weapons. He's not the guy with all the cool stuff. He's not the guy who's going to save the world. He's the guy who wants the bean burrito. He's the guy who likes vegetarian falafel. He's the guy who thinks that green tea is just the, the cat's meow. This is a guy, like I said, who aspires to being a tour guy. That's his goal in life. That's, that's it. That's it right there. He doesn't want to be leader of the free world. He doesn't want to be a famous singer or a famous writer or a poet. He wants to be a tour guide at a museum. That's his goal in life. So uh, is this a good family? Like, my daughter has really gotten into superheroes. There's a superhero girls cartoon that's Wonder Woman, Catwoman, Batgirl, Poison Ivy, and Harley Quinn, and they're, like, all going to high school together. She loves that. So as a six-year-old, is Moon Knight good for her? It might be a little too violent. Just a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it, what they're saying is, like, having after having test audiences view it, they're basically saying 10 and up. And I was kidding. I, I would never let her watch that. Her, yeah, her exposure to superheroes is, is cartoons, and then there was one with – uh, Supergirl and her dog Crypto, and they have adventures. Right. Um, the new Miss Marvel adventures that are coming out, those those should be fine for her. Okay. Um, it's live action, but it's a, it's definitely a coming of age story for a teen girl. The the violence is way ramped down on it. Um, it's more about her life as a, a Muslim girl, a Pakistani Muslim girl in New Jersey. Yeah. Who's trying to come to grips with being you know a girl and. Um, you know, trying to, trying not to make fun of make make a fool out of herself in front of the boys in the class. It's just a real simple, wonderful little story. And uh, the only thing they changed in that from the comic book is that in the comic book she has a she has the same superpower as Mister Fantastic from the Fantastic Four. And because she's Miss Marvel and she's going to be part of the Marvel Captain Marvel universe, they made her power more power based, so she can extend herself and create these images with you know, energy as opposed to changing her flesh. She can't um, get that's super stretchy. That really that's the best part is you get super stretchy. Yeah. Um, the, the reason they didn't do super stretchy is because, first of all, they're getting ready to do a Fantastic Four, and they don't want people confused and thinking that she is the daughter or the illegitimate love child of Reed Richards. Okay. Um, she could be the illimit- know, so illegitimate uh, daughter of Plastic Man. Yeah, well, that's, you know, different universe, different universe. Plastic I know. Not over there. I know. Um but, uh, you know, or as, as Flash calls them in the DC universe, all those stretchy guys. <laughs> um, but uh, they're they're doing Miss Marvel really, really well. And uh, for kids, that one's going to be great. I have um, a lady at our church. She has two daughters who uh, they kind of freak out on the violence and stuff like that. They, they, have, they love the superhero thing. They just have trouble watching the movies, you know. Yeah. They, can, they can do the comics because you can flip the page. And it's not as graphic in the comics. Um but when they see the movies and there's, you know, this hyper violence, they, they tend to not react well. Miss um, Marvel, I got I was able to show them, you know, previews of some of the stuff. And they're like, oh, yeah, they can watch this. They'll be fine. Their mom's like completely down with it. Um, I'm sure your daughter would be fine with it. Um, and it's a cute story. It's a, I mean, yeah, she's got superpowers. She's going to fight bad people. But, well, uh, Bill, I hate to cut you off. We'll have to pick up uh, next week. So everybody go to BillMcSciFi.com, follow at BillMcSciFi, follow at Big Wake Up Call. Check out the all-new Big Wake Up Call podcast. Bill, thank you as always, and we will talk next week. All right, have a great one, Ryan. Bye. Bye.